On this week's episode of the High Impact Man podcast, you're going to hear from a man by the name of Drew Ishmael. Uh, in the F3 world, he goes by Power Clean. He's going to share his story of uh, growing up in St. Louis, but then rapidly going through a lot of different states as he moved about the country uh, with his parents. Ultimately ended up back in St. Louis where he found F3. And he's going to share a lot about how F3 changed his life. Um, it was an instant a hook that just pulled him in. He lost a hundred pounds since then, and uh, he's just going to share uh, share his story and his journey of how F three has really changed his life, and uh, it's it's very inspirational. He's also going to share a little bit about his faith and uh, kind of how him and his wife found uh, found their church in an interesting way, and uh, how it's just made his faith blossom as well. So sit back and enjoy this podcast with Power Clean. He is a high impact man. Welcome to the High Impact Man Podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek transformational relationships. Now, what you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less. To help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Here we go with another High Impact Man podcast yeah. episode. A little Ric Flair there in the beginning. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a Ric Flair fan when he was wrestling. I was a Macho Man fan. Yeah. Macho Man and Rowdy Roddy Piper were my guys. But Ooh, anyway. did not like Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, I liked Rowdy Roddy Piper. You know, he was a movie star too, right? No. Oh, you got to watch You got to watch his, uh, his movie. Okay. I think it was called They or Them or something. Is he still living? No, he died. Okay. They Live. Yeah, they live. Thank you. Yeah, Power oh, Clean knows. Oh, Power Clean Power knows. knows. It's a classic. You got to watch it's it. It's a classic. Okay. It's a classic. All right. Yeah. They live. It. Yeah. All right. You got to watch it. Try and check it out here over the holidays. Yeah. He's actually not a bad actor. <laughs> uh, so anyway, here we are in another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. My name is Nevin Gorky. I uh, host along with my co-host, Troy Klinger. Uh, my, the F3 guys in, around the world know me as DFib, and they know Troy as Dial-Up. And uh, we talked about it recently. So we, we record multiple episodes at one time. So last week's episode, we, we had Dagger on. We, we recorded Dagger today, right now, that uh, live uh, when we're talking right now, uh, on the 21st of November. So it's still the 21st of November. And you know what happened? 8.12 in the morning. At 8.12 in the morning. An unusual <laughs> time for us to record. But you know what happened on the 20th of November? Uh, hmm. Yesterday, yeah, last I know night. what you're going to talk about. Now it's going to be it's going to be two weeks late that this airs. That's okay. But so things could change. I, I fell asleep at halftime. It wasn't looking, it wasn't looking it good wasn't, at halftime. It wasn't looking good for the birds. It was not looking good for the birds at halftime. Uh, but they came back, shut them out in the second half, won the game in Kansas City. Little they, gifted on the dropsy at the end. Fly Eagles, fly. That's okay. We got screwed on a bad. Uh, uh, illegal contact called downfield when they uh, one of their other scoring drives. So, uh, okay, I did not see that. That's, that's, like, that's how I'm like, justifying like the, it. Kind of like the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Eagles, baby. Ah, nine so, one. You know Taylor Swift wasn't in the house, so maybe. Well, that's because she's an Eagles fan, so she she couldn't be there. <laughs> you know they had. Uh, the, I will admit, you know, so I'm a I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers guy, but like I'm yeah. I'm warming to the Eagles and and my my daughter's. You know, boyfriends from the Philly area, and they're yeah. they're slowly converting her to be an Eagles fan. And he was with us out in when we went out to Kansas City and and, and Joplin for her cross country race. And we we did stop by to see the Arrowhead Stadium. Yes, yeah, so you took a picture just, just to see. Sent yeah. you a picture of it. Yeah, so I figured yeah, while we're in town, check it out. Yeah, man. 
And, and, and as I mentioned on Slack a little while, uh, I think it was uh, Sunday night, uh, that, uh, you know, all the, the other Steelers fans in our, in our region that were crying, uh, <laughs> I said the Eagles are accepting new fan applications. Yeah, I know. We lost to the freaking Browns. We you just, could submit your no application offense. to DFib at your nearest AO. <laughs> Doesn't mean we'll accept it. I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, that's all good. All right, cool. Well, listen, you know, we, we talked about it a number of times already. We're, we're going to be a few weeks removed by the time this airs, but GTE 44 was was awesome. Dial-up went under the log. I did not, and <laughs> but uh, but I was there for, for a lot of it, and, uh, and one of the guys we met down there was uh, one of the trainers, and it's uh, F3's Power Clean. And, and uh, I tell you, uh, he was motivational. The Friday Night Social... It starts off with a Friday night social. I don't know how many guys were there. Probably over 100 guys at the social or something like that. And here's this big dude with a beard. And he's, he's like, <laughs> woo! And getting all excited and stuff. And <laughs> my other Jeffco. And I'm like, who's that guy? And I found out he's one of the trainers. And Yeah. My, my other memory of <laughs> a power clean with a name like power clean, you expect them to be you know, pretty big, mm-hmm. big uh, muscular dude. <laughs> like we're at the King Builder Saturday morning and... And he like takes off like yeah, <laughs> like a rocket, <laughs> like, like boom, he's gone. I'm like, who's this big guy, big guy moving like this? Yeah. Like he was gone, like a shot. I was yeah. like, all right, let's go. Here right. we go. You don't get tackled we're by that guy. To, we're off to a run. Yeah, it wasn't a mosey. Yeah, so off. power clean uh, let off the the king builder. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, man, we well, we start off with a bang, and I was motivated. I've been motivated ever since then. Yeah. Motivate it, motivate it, motivate it. Yeah. My only disappointment was power clean. I thought you were taking us right onto the ship. You'd like to Yeah, I know. We went around the ship. ship and we're going up the ramp. And I'm like, yeah, we're going right to the ship. And then he goes around. I'm like, we're just doing a big freaking circle around the trip. We better <laughs> get on the ship at some point. But So, uh, they, yeah, thank you for the uh, having me fast. Nobody, nobody else thinks I'm fast. Everybody in my region knows exactly how slow I am. Yeah. But um, I was fast. That cute juice was real. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And the, the whole point of that first 10 to 15 minutes of the King Builder is to get people in a compliant listening position. So I had to wear myself out. <laughs> and, uh, running is a way for a lot of people. But, okay, yeah, you wear yourself out in the beginning because you want to um, you want to get everybody compliant, at least listening, and then – so it's it's a it's a standardized workout, but we get to build it how we want with the different exercises and everything. So it's a lot of fun. Um, it's one of the biggest things, and it's when you get 218 guys and you're the queue. Yeah, you just got to do it. And we knew it was going to be big. We didn't know it was going to be that big. Uh, the largest king builder I've been a part of was the first one uh, I was a part of, which was here in St. Louis. I think it was. TTE 26, 32, I don't remember. It was the biggest one ever, and it was 270 guys, I think is what uh, Doa recorded for the King Builder. It was just massive. Yeah. So big. It was stupid. But a lot of fun, and uh, that's actually what got me into wanting to be a trainer. I was unable to go under the log on that one, so I ended up being the support queue. Um, and I got some good feedback from Danny and, uh, major pain and bloodhound and sea bath and dread were the five cadre on that one. Wow. So it was, it was massive. Yeah. Five cadre. So I asked if you had four five cadre at that, uh, grow rock. Yeah. It was the support queue and it was just massive. It was still, it's 141 stepped off and 136 minutes. Um, 
August in St. Louis, so it was just miserable. Oh yeah, uh, miserable. We had people flopping. It was bad, <laughs> um, but yeah. it was uh, it was also pretty epic and a lot of guys. Uh, so Tinkerbell, who's a trainer, that was his first one. Uh, Beans, who's on the uh, the queue of expansion for the nation, that was his. He was the queue for the whole thing. So that launched the St. Louis region kind of into the stratosphere, which is the point of Grow Rock is yeah. to reinforce the mission of F3, the mission formula of F3 and Grow Region. Yep. So it happened here in St. Louis. And so, but it also got me passionate about being a trainer uh, because being in the military, as long as I was, I was like, I, I got paid to yell at people for a while. And it, I mean, I'm good at it, but it's not what motivates me. So the cadre role didn't really motivate me much, but the trainer role did. Yeah. Being, uh, being a guy that suffers with, and the trainer used to go under the log every time. Um, and then there was when Danny Cadre Linus took over the grow rock department, he was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would you put somebody in a teaching role and a mentoring role and then take away all that ability to teach and mentor yeah. because you're suffering right along with, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's a newer concept for us as uh, just kind of this calendar year is when we started it. I did the, the Trainer Academy last December in, in Katy, Texas. And um, what what happened was we kind of as a department decided to have the trainers not go under the log on a regular basis. And it allows us to do a more events um, because we're not pushing our bodies past, I mean, dial up. You tell me how you felt the day or two after. Yeah. Surpri- <laughs> like surprising, like the day or two after wasn't bad. Like I went for, I went for a run like Tuesday morning and I'm like, man, I actually feel pretty good. But later in the week is kind of when it hit me like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like even still, like I'm like, I said to my wife, I'm like, I just feel beat up. Like I just, I just feel kind of rough, like not, not good. And now I've kind of started to come back around like yesterday. I was feeling pretty good again, but uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was just weird. Cause like initially I felt, I felt pretty good, but, but yeah, it hit me, hit me like three days later is when I started feeling good. Yeah. You have, to, you have to, he's, he's breaks the curve though. He's got some super healing factor. <laughs> He, he could do a hard workout in the morning and do another one in the evening. It's like no big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, durability is a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So but, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's back, let's back up for well, a second. Well, I, I was just going to uh, spin off of what you mentioned though. And, and I totally could see where to me, not having you guys under the log makes, makes sense. Yeah. Because that, that, uh, as a participant, uh, having, you know, whatever trainer was, I know you guys kind of stuck with us mostly, but like Uno would show up with our platoon once in a while. We know Uno, but like just, just that soft, you know, little voice, you know, coming up beside you periodically throughout the event. Like, Hey, you doing okay? Yeah. You know, how are you? Yeah. Um, meant a lot and, and, uh, was, was helpful. Just, you know, just a quick little conversation. And, uh, you know, if, if you were under the log with me, like, like that probably wouldn't be happening. Cause you'd be at the front of the log. I'd be at the back of the log. You'd be doing sandbags. I'd be on Like you just, you wouldn't have that interaction throughout the event. So it, it completely makes sense to me to be doing it that way. And it, it makes it, if you're in the suck with the people, which is great, but it makes it difficult to spot the guy that's suffering more and yeah. then maybe on the verge of quitting. Yep. You know, because the point of it, 
is to get them to that point where they want to quit and go go past it mm-hmm. um, and then figure out that they don't have to quit there just because their mind tells them they have to. Yep. And right. so I love, um, I love the fact of grow up being one of the hardest things people have ever done in their lives. And it's not for everybody. Like uh, the staying up wasn't a hard part. Like a lot of people have never stayed up 24 hours and a lot of people have never carried 200 pounds of, stuff on their body and you know some people have and they end up being these amazing resources of strength for others and so it's just the whole grow rep experience is pretty amazing for yep. me. yeah absolutely well i can't we've had a couple of hiccups here technical uh, technical difficulties that hopefully have been edited out but i'm kind of lost as to where I was in the beginning. So well, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll introduce our, 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 you know, yeah, we just kind of got real. We just yeah, got rolling. It's kind of yeah, like so interviewing dread. Maybe you should so, do a bio. <laughs> so, so, uh, our guest is Drew Ishmael. He is power clean, uh, to his F3 mates, obviously from the Jeffco region. We've talked about that already. And, uh, and I, I, you know, this is, he's not related to the rocket or the missile Ishmael. Funny story. That was my nickname. My first nickname in the army was Rocket. Ah, uh, you and have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm no, scared. I do. Oh, okay. I grew up. I grew up I, next I, to the that's guy. That's what I thought. That's what you're looking at me like with this bizarre look on your face. I was I'm trying like, to remember dude, his first name. Quadri. Quadri. Well, that was one well, of them. Uh, that was the launch pad. That no, that's that's the mother. Yeah, <laughs> the mother is the launch pad. Kadri is the missile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rocket was the is the rocket, and Kadri is the missile. And um, I, I try to remember the rocket's real first name. I know that's what I'm trying I, to remember. I, I couldn't too. remember. Anyway, um, uh, Drew Ishmael, uh, known as Power Clean, is our guest. Uh, Sorry, uh, that's all right. So um, this is the part of the show where Dialup and I try to guess how you got your name. This one's kind of obvious, I think. Dialup's three for for the last four. Yeah. So. What are you going with this time? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm guessing the obvious one, and I have a feeling like we could be wrong. Uh, and you didn't share anything about your the origins of your name down at the at the uh, Grow Rock. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go that uh, you know you did you did powerlifting, and uh, name came from that. Yeah, so I I know, so I can't guess. Yeah. So so. Uh, power clean. Why don't you tell us the, the only other the other thought the other thought I would have had if like, like I kind of went yeah. down a different path would have been he has like a pressure washing business. Oh, that's good too. Uh, power clean. Yeah, but, I, uh, I would never gone. But there. Yeah, I'll, I'll go yeah. with the obvious this time. All right. So power clean. Tell us how you got your name, and then tell us how you got involved with the F three. How long and who eh would you? Sure, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle those all in one. So my. Uh, my cousin by marriage, and he'll tell you that, is Lube. Um, so you guys had Lube on. Um, his first site of expansion was AO Wet Willie in St. Louis. It was their sixth or seventh site. I can't remember. Um, but it was September 21, 2020. And he called me up, I think, the, Friday, the, Saturday, the Sunday before and said, hey, I'm launching a workout on Monday. And I think it'd be great for you. And oh, by the way, on Tuesday, I'm launching another one on the other side of you. And I looked them both up and they were basically equidistant from my house. Mm. And um, and I had no ability to say no to him because <laughs> uh, he hit me at the right spot. I, need, I knew I needed it. Um, 
So I show up in a dark parking lot. The only person I really know well there was Lube until after I saw a guy. When we named him is when uh, when I knew who he was, but it was Ken Boland who actually, uh, a little bit later, you can ask me about that, but uh, he's Milwaukee Seth. Um, but so I knew two guys in that parking lot. We had nine FNGs that day. Wow. Um, amazing experience. Uh, and when it came to my naming, I told a story that I thought was pretty embarrassing. Uh, Lube was the cue, so he got to choose. And I walked in, and in my oxygen-pleated state, which I think is pretty normal, I just said the first thing that came to my mind. I said, embarrassing story, it broke both my arms doing a power plan. Yep. And he goes, power plan, done. That was my name. Uh, I think the reason um, it was, it was, power clean was because he was feeling sorry for me because um, you saw me run. I couldn't have done that three years ago. I was 360-ish pounds. Um, so I'm down over 100 pounds in the three years and uh, just just being nice to me. So I've, I've not yet met another power clean. Um, so I'm lucky that way mm-hmm. because I think it's too nice of a name. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, both arms and it's a good I name. Was but, not a power lifter. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that he broke both arms and uh, doing one exercise? I mean, you know, yeah. did a power clean, broke broke both his arms. Right. Ouch. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he shared All that story story with me down at the GTE, so I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't so guess. You, you knew. Uh, yeah. Got it. All right. Yeah, we've had. So you are probably our fifth guy from the St. Louis area that we've had on the podcast. You guys are just, you know, expanding like crazy out there. And we started, I think we started with GMO. Did you tell me GMO is, was, did you tell me he's a whetstone for you or? He's my whetstone. Yeah. yeah. So he, uh, he keeps me honest. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, I'll see him next Wednesday. The guy's highly sought after, uh, as a whetstone and as everything else, he's kind of the, the, the spirit animal for a lot of people in <laughs> F3 yeah, uh, because he's overcome so much. I mean, his amazing story and uh, his physical transformation, but really his spiritual and emotional transformation as well. So he's a really, and, and just the, the, the genesis of that was it was literally my third workout and it's sprinkling and starting to get cold. And him and another guy starred from here who unfortunately is injured a lot, uh, had a bad back. So kind of in and out of F3, but still a great guy. And I, I, I know him well. Uh, but these two men, about the same age, about 15 years older than me, stayed in to a conversation and started asking me about me. And next thing you know, I'm talking through that process and, um, I think it was because I had to go back to my dad's funeral to Arizona, and that's why we got mm. to talking. But uh, my dad died literally 30 days prior to me starting F3. So mm. it all came around at the right time. But they stood in and started talking to me, and I was like, yeah, I want, you know, I used to be a, you know, basically a combat athlete and this, that, and the other thing. And that's what, you know, airborne paratroopers were called back then. Um, and, you know, I wanted to get back to some semblance of that. And so right there, he said, the GMO looked at me and said, it took me two and a half years. And he set a marker in his calendar right there and said, we'll lead a beat down together when he lives a hundred pounds. And here's the day. And 
it was that day we led a beat down together at that AL. Sweet. That's Very my cool. old AL. Which is, so, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you are the one that told me that GMO shared with you. He said, don't, uh, don't waste your pain. Was that you? Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. a great quote. A great concept, isn't it? Yeah. So we as, so I'm a Christian and so I, I, I lean into that and, um, that's kind of my world. That is my worldview, but you're tested right in life. And you're, there's things that you're put through because of people, um, whether it's you or your upbringing or circumstances, situation, and we make it through that. And it's, it's incumbent upon us not to waste that pain. Uh, don't let other people go through it if they don't have to. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, embracing your past instead of, um, instead of hiding from it has, has allowed me to just grow exponentially. And, and the benefit of me is that you see, I, I can look in the mirror and tell my pain and tell me where I'm at in my situation because I eat all of my emotions. So yeah. if I'm unhealthy emotionally, I'm unhealthy physically. So when I say I lost a hundred pounds, it's really, I released a hundred pounds and, um, I dumped a lot of bricks out of my backpack, uh, of stuff I don't have to carry around anymore. So I think a lot of people are like that. Um, in fact, I've taken on a couple blades recently and they're like that. Um, one, you know, emotional leader, uh, another one, um, you know, just emotionally stunted when they when they go through something, it shows up in how they how they act to the rest of us. So, yeah, I have all that pain. I might as well lean into other men that are going through something or experienced it and are un unsure of how to get rid of the baggage that comes with it. So, yeah, yeah, man, uh, that's I, I love that co that comment though. Don't waste your pain. Um, uh, and, and you just explained it beautifully. So, uh, what I like to do is just back up a little bit and, uh, tell us, um, what life was like for you growing up. Like, I know you grew up in the St. Louis area, right? So tell me what that Funny was like. Funny stories. I moved, uh, 26 times before I was 18 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. so I was born in St. Louis, moved a few times here in the St. Louis area at three, moved to California, um, Lived at a bunch of different places in California. Um, at 10, moved from California to Arizona. Lived a bunch of different places in Arizona. Graduated high school in Arizona. Uh, and then joined the Army. Came back to Missouri. Went to Virginia, Georgia, North Carolina, where I did most of my time in the Army at Fort Bragg. And then uh, married a girl from St. Louis and so we came back here after my initial tour in the army and so I've lived in the St. Louis area since then so 30 years ish uh, almost 30 years 28 ish since I left the army the active army um, and so yeah that's uh, how I ended up here so I didn't grow up here but I'm native so why would why'd you move around full, so much full circle yeah uh, so a couple reasons uh, 
my dad was a dramatic alcoholic, not like, not like an alcoholic that, you know, comes home and, you know, just drinks himself to sleep, which is no better than any other thing. But he was dramatic in the fact that he would go to the bars and get drunk and end up, you know, in somebody else's house, um, fired from his job, uh, which was usually a high paying job. So he lived feast or famine. Um, my parents were divorced after we moved to California. I was five. And then all the stuff that comes with that. Then they got remarried uh, when we moved to Arizona because he was starting over, moving away from all the bad influences. Two years later, all the bad influences moved to him. Um, and my parents were divorced again. Um, so divorces and marriages and economic fortunes and misfortunes are the reason I moved so much. Um, and then my parents each got remarried to different people. Um, and then I left and I ran for the army. <laughs> I, ran fast. Yeah, I saw that in your bio. You said at 17, you were ready to get out of there, right? Uh, yeah. You know, you, you live that tumultuous life. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was defining in the fact, uh, and I didn't realize how defining it was until many years later. Um, my first experience of getting shot at in, in a combat situation, um, where my heart rate actually went down, Hmm. you know, I was amped up you know, just standard. But when people started screaming and, you know, mortar rounds started coming in and helicopters got waved off and it wasn't a very long thing. It's not like some protracted battle. I'm not by any stretch that kind of hero, but um, I just knew exactly what to do. My mind worked totally clearly. My heart rate, I could feel everything slowing down and dropping. And it's like, huh. And I, I, so I went to a therapist for a while uh, when I got back and, And he goes, that's because you're used to trauma. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. trauma is your normal state. Chaos is your normal state. So your body just reacts normally. Yeah. So the rest of the state of not being in chaos is the part that you have difficulty with. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because uh, I think we, that's something we try to do in a more controlled fashion and in a healthy way. Right. With F3 is we try to, you know, Create the chaos. Create a little bit of chaos and, you know, in the gloom, especially a GTE, you know, and all that kind of stuff so that you can get prepared for when something happens that you, you know, maybe it's not the first time you've experienced quote unquote trauma. So it's not like yours. I mean, yours is an unhealthy way to do it, obviously, but, um, but still conditioned his mind nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Handle it. Yeah. Interesting. We're trying to recreate that same kind of thing in a healthy way. All right. It was it was interesting to understand that many 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 years later. So I didn't go into combat until 2000. So I joined the army in 91 ish, 92, and then didn't go to a combat zone until Iraq in 05. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of time there to grow uh, and not grow, depending, uh, and then. Yeah, so I I experienced it as a much older person after experiencing all that trauma early in life, and then, you know, the it was it was weird to watch younger people kind of go through that, and it's it's 
kind of where I think my dolphin came in and I was able to mentor much younger men mm -hmm. just going through the same experience at the same time. But because I had the advantage of years and looking back on things, be able to talk to them through that process uh, and through their feelings and experiences. And we just kind of naturally fell into that and didn't realize obviously back then what a dolphin or a daffodil was, right. but, um, you know, mentoring has become kind of what I want and feel called to do. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. And not many guys, you know, so many guys struggle out there and don't know their purpose. Um, so it sounds like, you know, your purpose and you knew it kind of without, without defining it in those terms, you kind of knew it, uh, or earlier than, um, than even before you joined F3. True. I, I ran from it though, because, um, until F3, I really ran away from it. I did when I had to, but even though I experienced joy teaching and mentoring, uh, I did everything I could not to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, again, that trauma response. Yeah. So w when you were young, were you an athlete? Um, I like to, I like to think I was, um, but really I was just mediocre at best, but everybody played sports. Uh, so I was a pretty decent keeper in soccer. That's mm -hmm. Reed, I wasn't fast. Um, so they stuck me in the, in the goal. I was aggressive. Uh, I played football one year. Uh, I was pretty good. Um, but didn't let her in high school, just kind of quit sports when it got difficult. Uh, lifted weight pretty consistently, but never any Olympic lifting, all pro lifting. Um, and then got to the army and just, turned into kind of a, a calisthenic athlete, if that makes sense. Basically, a free athlete. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could run and I could do push-ups and I could do sit-ups and I could jump and, you know, just a typical 19-year-old healthy young man that uh, could
do anything he was asked to do. Uh, but I knew I was strong when I used to, I was in supply. So I wasn't some big athlete some big combat guy, but I was in supply and um, I had to turn equipment in and my, my boss would tell me, Hey, go get these things and put them on the truck. What he meant was go get these generators, get three other people and put them on the truck. Well, he didn't tell me the three other people part. So young, dumb private Ishmael would just go <laughs> lift a four man lift and throw it on the back of a truck at about high, high level. Uh-huh. And I did that. And so I knew I had some strength that wasn't absolutely normal. And so he's like, who'd you get to help you? I'm like, help. <laughs> I didn't get anybody. He's didn't, like, there's generators help. in the back of the truck. I didn't know help was an option. 200 pounds of food, so. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I just did it. It's like a strongman competition, lifting the Hercules balls yeah, or whatever they're called. Right. Yeah. So yeah. We, well, that's a funny story, too. We have a strongman that worked out in, uh, in F3 Jeffco. So we have it all. Nice. So what drew you to airborne? Were you in, uh, I can't remember when we talked, what, uh, regiment were you in or whatever? Is it 82nd? Uh, so I was 18th airborne Corps. back then it was separated differently. There was only three brigades in the 82nd. Uh, so I was general support artillery, which meant, uh, we dropped 155 millimeter howitzers out of aircraft and then jumped on top of them. What made me go airborne though, was I was afraid of height. Of course. Um, I had a traumatic, <laughs> Well, I had a traumatic injury uh, when I was three where I should have died. In fact, um, I kind of did die um, due to falling through a tree, uh, ripped out the arteries in my left arm. Um, should have died if, there, if I wouldn't have been so young and if I wouldn't have done it at the, at the house of a paramedic mm. who saved my life, I would have died. And if I wouldn't have done it in California, in fact, this is how new we were to the air, the neighborhood. We didn't even have our phone installed, if that makes sense. Back mm. in the back in the seventies, when you had phones on the wall, and right. you had to wait for the phone company to get to you to flip on the switch yep. to yeah. plug yeah. your phone in. Yeah, we didn't even have a phone. So, um, my mom's riding in an ambulance with a guy she doesn't know, uh, me, and his arm, his hand is glued, basically glued to my arm. As, a, as kind of just a tourniquet to make sure I don't bleed out. So it was pretty, pretty crazy story if you hear about it from her. But um, that gave me this natural fear of heights, and I was just tired of being afraid of heights. So I said, hey, they're going to pay me to get over my fear of heights. I'll do it. Nice. He's self-therapy. He's like, afraid of heights? I'm going to go jump out of airplanes. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Sounds like a great way of doing it. So, do, so yeah, and I, and I almost failed. I almost failed air, airborne school because of it, but yeah. I didn't. So it worked out. Do you, do you, do you, do you still uh, hold on? Do you still yeah. have a fear of heights, like for any and like in certain situations? I still don't like ladders because I had fallen uh, off a ladder. Yeah, so I still don't like ladders. I don't like ladders either. No, I don't like ladders. Like either. I don't put up Christmas lights. I pay somebody to do that. Like yeah. there's no reason I'm going to break my back falling off a roof. Yeah. No, no. yeah. Well, we had a house about four houses ago that uh, um, my wife, we were young in our marriage, had little kids. She wanted Christmas lights. She wanted those ones that dangle down, look like icicles. Yeah. I, so I put them up. I had to climb the ladder, go up on the roof, and the roof was sloped to an area of the yard that really dropped away. So it was a good fall if I fell. But I hung them up right on the edge there, and you know I was scared, but I did it. And then, But it was windy. 
was a house right, right over there from, from where I'm living now. And th- they kept blowing the freaking icicle things up on the roof. So I had to keep going up in there and, and putting them back down. I said, this is the last time I am hanging Christmas lights. And that was, I, 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 I actually won that one. I, I never had to put up Christmas lights again. I'll, I'll check my man card here and uh, say I, I hate ladders as well. Yeah. Like I, I can do okay. It's the transfer from the ladder to the roof. That gets me, yeah. But Denine's like no has no fear of heights right whatsoever. So yeah. we still do Christmas lights because she wants Christmas lights. I hold the ladder yeah. and she, <laughs> she hooks the lights up. Sorry, I know not very manly, but just telling you how it is at our household. Yeah, you're just being transparent, man. It's okay. Yeah. So I I I feel you right there. My wife, um, I think it was the grow rough down in Katy that I did. And I come back and all the shutters on the second floor, all the shutters on the front of the house have been painted. Uh, I'm like, Oh, I need to hand in my man. <laughs> you know, all this tough stuff. And I come back and she's climbed on the roof, climbed up to the second story, painted all the shutters. So that means she's spending lots of time up there. Yeah. And then many times transitioning back and forth from ladder to roof. <laughs> yeah. All by herself. Yeah, yep. for me, for me, it's getting back on the ladder from the roof. That was the scary part because my ladder only went up; it didn't go all the way up to the top of the roof. So you had to step down on the top of the ladder, uh, and uh, yeah, that was I didn't like that at all. Yeah. But I also fell out of a tree when I was young. I never put two and two together. Maybe that is what huh. caused my you know fear of heights. I didn't I didn't have a near death experience, but I broke my arm badly. Had to have surgery. Um, but yeah, I used to climb that tree all the way. Well. You know, when you're little, it seems like it's really, really high. But, yeah. you know, it was a tree that you could climb all the way to the top. It was over the second-story windows of our of the house. So it was pretty high. I used to climb up there, and the wind would be swaying. Yeah, yeah, and the wind would blow, and the tree would sway when you're up there and stuff. I had no fear until I didn't even – thanks, man. It's like a therapy session for me. I I, I fear heights because I fell out of that darn tree. I don't remember falling out of a tree, so I don't know what my excuse you know, you know what, is. I don't know what my excuse well, is. Well, I know what the answer is for you and me. What? We gotta go jump out of an airplane. Okay, all right, I do it. We're doing it. We're going. We're jump, jumping out of the airplane. I'm, fi- I'm finally below the weight. I conquered where, some. I conquered right. some of my fear heights by when I did Angels Landing this year. Out of yes, the, you did. Uh, yeah, uh, Zion. But yeah. Uh, yeah, jumping out of a plane would be next. So level. that would be a fun F three event, wouldn't it? Like we ruck in, do the do the ground school, and then jump, and then ruck out. Let's do it. That would be great. Like the army again. Yeah, yeah. I you'd have to get some kind of waiver <laughs> you could die with this one <laughs> did, you, did you so our employer our, our employer did you did you did you see we they offer this accident insurance now did yeah you, did you see that you told me about it somebody told me about it see my wife and i are calling it doing stupid shit yes you told me about it. <laughs> insurance that's, did i tell you about that yeah uh but the jumping out of an airplane is one thing that's not covered yeah, well, whatever. Neither is racing automobiles to win money or something like that. Yeah, like don't do was, that either. It's kind of, yeah, anyway. So we have a place right down the road from us that you could do tandem jumps. And uh, the guy that, I don't know if he's still doing it, but the guy that was that owned it was doing it has a, the Guinness record for most jumps ever. Um, <laughs> Wait, is this? Is this the ortho? No, no, no. Some other guy. Some oh, older guy. I, I yeah. thought it was the ortho PhD. I was going to do it when I turned 50. I'm 57 now, so it shows you how long I've done it, gone without doing it. But I was over the weight limit. Because to do a tandem jump, you had to be under 220. And uh, because of F3, I could now jump out of an airplane. You jump out of an airplane. Let's go. All right. We're doing it, man. All right. This GTE was, your, you was, was so your big thing. Now jumping out of an airplane. Back to our guest. Yeah. Find, find, the, find the weight limit. So 
I'll I'll shoot for that as my weight limit to get under. All right, all right. I'll, we'll, we'll look. I'll look into it again. Um, my wife just asked me the other day, what, "What would you like to do that you've never done before?" And anyway, maybe that's it. All right. So airborne. So uh, when you guys jump in uh, airborne, is that uh, is that a you know a hookup thing? Jump. It's not like free falling, right? So it's static line jumping. Sta- that's the word. Yeah, I did. I mean, there's there's other types of jumping in the military, but mostly it's static line because it's not for fun. It's a mode of transportation. Although, you know, we always used to run past leg land and, you know, chant cadences about how we got paid more because we got danger pay and that was more beer, more <laughs> beer money. <laughs> right. So what happened? You uh, Tell us your, your experience in the military and then getting out. You know, what happened there? So it's, it's really uneventful. I was a mediocre soldier at best. Uh, again, not a lot of good home training, not a lot of good male influences in my life, except for Boy Scouts, Mm -hmm. uh, which again, one of the things that really saved me was learning how to do hard stuff, uh, and having fun doing like rucking is something I picked up as a Boy Scouts. I loved it. I just loved carrying heavy stuff and walking a long distance and seeing something I'd never seen before. So did that through Philmont and I grew up that part of my life in Arizona. So had a lot of. Uh, a lot of high adventure stuff. Um, so I joined the army and that wasn't as fun. Um, so the rucking in the army is usually done at night and you can't talk and it's usually miserable. Um, kind of like a GTE, yeah. <laughs> uh, except not even as fun as that. And then, you know, jumping out of planes, they managed to take all the fun out of that too. Cause it was like a six hour process for, you know, four minutes of awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I got married at 19 the first time. So that goes into, I've been married twice. I'm still married to my second wife, which, uh, she is amazing. Um, Sergeant major Ishmael actually is, is she's still (laughs) active army, but, um, my first bit in the army, the first four years back to duty, I went to all my schooling, met my first wife when I came home to St. Louis for Christmas leave. Six months later, we were married. Um, you know, tumultuous lifestyle, uh, in the army got out after four years. She's like, Hey, I'm not real fan of this, um, lifestyle. So I want to go home. So I got out We moved back home. I was out of the military for about two weeks before I missed it so bad that I joined the national guard, mm-hmm. um, joined the national guard, was kind of in check of the month club for a while. Um, went to, started going to college, uh, working through college, working um, full-time college, part-time military, started having kids. Uh, my son was born in 2000, my daughter in 2001. So, and then um, obviously 9-11 was in there and uh, I started getting activated in the national guard, uh, changed, really changed the course of lives of everybody, but specifically mine in the fact that I got activated for two years. Um, and it was, it was a local activation, but I was in uniform again. I was, I, that was the first time I lost a bunch of weight because I had just gained a bunch of weight because I hadn't handled my emotional stuff. Lost, lost a bunch of weight, 
got promoted a bunch, uh, went, ended up going to Iraq. Uh, my personal life marriage fell apart. Um, went to Iraq, you know, kind of almost as an escape, mm-hmm. um, from all the, the bad stuff going on here. Um, again, didn't handle things well, used the army twice in my life to escape, uh, escape really. And then, uh, great, greatest thing that God did for me is allow me to, to, to use all of that for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, met my, met my now wife, uh, who is just an absolute dynamo in life and, um, as super successful in anything she does. And, um, we decided to make a go of it and she became the best stepmom ever. Um, and an amazing wife to me and allowed me to go through all the things I was going through and then called in help when needed. So how awesome my wife is that she recognized that she couldn't fix me and I needed men. And so I, I have a really due to martial arts and I've done that for 25 years. Uh, I have a pretty good core of men that I still kind of hang out with. And uh, she called them in to make sure I wasn't going too far down the line. But you can tell, like I gained 100 pounds and did all this stuff after I retired from the Army and then walked a la, voila, you know, F3 steps into my world a few years ago. And the health, the fellowship allowed me to um, to truly be have candor with myself and unburden and people don't judge you for your past in F3, which allows me to be a good, good role model for a lot of people that are going through what I went through already. Yeah. Nice man. Was you, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, was it, was it like a kind of like an in, instant might be a little extreme, but like, was it, was it a quick thing for you? Like after you grabbing hold of you and like, man, this is what I've been missing in my life or did it take a little time to, to, to grow so, a little bit. It, no, it was instant. Yeah. Uh, I showed up to that first workout, um, did it. It was a circle of pain. Um, I could barely, like I, I used to do 50 push ups at a rip, you know, run 14 and a half, two miles, you know, 65, 70 sit ups at a rip. Um, and I couldn't do, I couldn't do five perfect Merkin. Yeah. Mm-hmm that first day could do five in a row could barely do five on my knees because I'd let myself get to that position. Right. So I'd let myself get there and that allowed, that was the breaking point for me. Right. That was the point where I was like, I'm either just going to keep going down this line and end up dead, um, in my easy chair, uh, with, you know, pizza stuck somewhere in the fat rolls, or I'm going to change. Um, so Luke left the first one and then the next, remember I told you he launched two AOs in two days back to back and I went to both. So my first week I did five workouts. Wow. Wow. Uh, that seems pretty instant for for a guy that out of shape. (laughs) That's pretty instant to me. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I remember I used to be in shape and the body remembers both that and good. Yeah. Um, so my body wanted to do it, but it hurt so bad that I'm like, the only thing I know to do when I hurt like this is do more. Yeah. Right. Because then it, it, it just lubes you back up and you get, you get back out there. Ocean so, is lotion. There you go. I went to, uh, both workouts and the third workout was kind of the pivotal one. Rhonda led that one. Uh, 
Rhonda is now uh, a sector or an area. I don't, I don't know what, if it's sectors lower, areas higher. I don't know, but he's he's a nation guy, um, and he led it, and it was all bear crawl. And this is what got me. Um, I tell this story pretty regularly in COTs, but we were bear crawling up a hill, so it's an easy bear crawl. But as soon as I went to a bear crawl position, I couldn't breathe. So I had a hundred pounds of fat sitting on my lungs Yeah, because you're inverted. Right. And so all of that non-muscular body mass is now crushing that, which is allowing you. So I saw a star and it was, it put me to a point where I had to, and it was only like 20 yards, but it, and I say only, right. People that are listening to this, that just began at three, 20 yards is a long bear crawl for you. A hundred yards is probably a long bear crawl for me now. Um, but I couldn't breathe. And and it put me almost in a panic position that I hadn't been in in decades. Mm-hmm. And I, I made it through that workout. I, I don't remember much after that, honestly. I just kind of went into a survival mode. Did a lot of, a lot of those bear crawls. Broke, you know all of that trauma response was coming back. I was trying to protect myself and just get through it and not act like an idiot. Right. So COT happens and I just run for my truck mm-hmm. and I get in my truck and, I'm, and I pull out of the parking lot. Thankful I didn't run anybody over cause I was blinded by just the sheen of tears coming down of what I'd let myself get. Yeah. How I gotten to this, How can I be a man that my wife respects? How can I be a man that my children respect? How can I hold any respect anywhere in any rational uh, person's mind when I can't even do, I couldn't get on the ground if my kids were young to play with. Yeah. You know, and, and that, both broke me and galvanized me. So the next day was another workout at uh, now what became my site, Neverland. Um, and we went and I went there and I was just a different person that day. I was like, you know what? I've just got to lose weight and I've got to get through it. I didn't gain a hundred pounds overnight. So I'm not going to lose it overnight. And that was when GMO spoke into me and Sarge spoke into me and, you know, that, that journey really started that day four, uh, but I was locked in. And then day five, uh, I get a call from Rhonda, who was that time the first FQ. And he did, he had no idea. I didn't speak to anybody about this, not even my wife. And, uh, in fact, I drove around the block making sure that my face wasn't red before I came in the house mm. to see my wife. Um, so that Friday, I get a call from Rhonda. And he asked me to be the site queue for Neverland. I hadn't queued a workout, mm-hmm. was the sixth at every workout. Um, and, um, and I just didn't have it in me. But this is where God steps in again, right? So God stepped in, and whether Rhonda knew it or not, he is, in asking me to lead other men, locked me in like I would have probably quit in two months 
when it became really hard because we know motivational gets you through the first bit. Yep. But then it's, then it's discipline that gets you from there on, right? Yeah. And I probably would have blown it off if it wasn't for uh, being a sidekick. And so I cued my first workout that next week. Um, and for me, I, I'd led PT in the Army, so not a big deal. Right. Uh, the cadence was pretty standard. Um, but then we were flirting back with masks again and everything. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I quit if, you know, being all high and mighty and realizing that <laughs> I'm not going to actually quit for that reason. I would quit because I can't do it. Anymore, right. Um, so anyway, you know, GMO spoke into me, Rhonda kept leaning on me. And then I met people like Tinkerbell. And, um, if you haven't talked to Frozone, he is an inspiration. He was the site queue at Wet Willie. Um, and just a man that I remember one day, uh, later he goes, tell me how your summer was. And we were just sitting around three of us parking lot cafeteria because none of the coffee shops were open. And there's three people there and I can't remember who else was there. And I said, I really had a bad summer. Mm. You know, my dad died, you know, and you know, all of these things. And he's like, I'm really sorry. He put his hand on my shoulder, looked me dead in the eyes and said, I love you. And it broke me again. Right. I mean, just all of these wounds were being opened and exposed, but people weren't running away. You know, that's the thing is people were just leaning into it and saying, I'm right here, brother. I'm not going anywhere. And I get it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and then you get people like me that are just, if they're going to do this, I'm going to turn around and do it for everybody else. And so we become so passionate about being helped that we can't not, how do we say this positively? We have to help other people mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's part of our healing, first of all. But second of all, it's because how can I not pass this forward? Look at what, I mean, look at what my life, the whole direction of my life changed, you know, September 21, 2020. The whole direction of my life changed because men who I've just kind of gone through this mental exercise realized that I didn't like being around all of these guys because I was intimidated or I was shamed because they were fit and I wasn't um, or I was um, angry because they were womanizers or whatever. And, you know, that goes into the whole dad issues. Yeah. But, um, and then I realized that we're all just trying to get through life together. And, you know, there's a lot of great men out there and men trying to be better. Uh, and this whole false machismo is just what it is. It's false. So yeah. if you don't have that in that and you just, it's amazing. Yeah. I think so, they, you know, yeah. asking him to be the psych you, asking you to be the psych you tapped into that, that sense of responsibility. And okay, now I'm responsible for these men. Now I'm responsible for the outcome. And for a guy that was, had all that experience in the military and stuff like that. It's like, like you said, if they didn't do that, you might've stopped coming, but you, but that, that gave you some ownership and then, yeah. Okay. Now I'm responsible. It's, it's almost like we're working through <clears throat> some book called the Q source. Right? Get right. Get right. Lead right. We're, we're live working, right. 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 Get right. Live right. Live right. Live right. Yeah. Lead we're, right. we're working our way through the, through the quadrant. The G3L. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I'm always getting right. 
Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's an yeah, ongoing process, yeah, right? right? Never yeah. stops. Yeah, it's an ongoing process. So, um, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned in, in the beginning of, the, of the, our conversation about when you queued the the King Builder, you let it off, and and you said that you know you ran a little faster, you did whatever because there's what did you say that the that that Q sauce or that Q magic or whatever Q juice Q juice Q juice that's real. That is that is real. When when I queue, I could do a lot more than when I don't queue. I, it's so crazy. I like that term. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's like the cycle. So it's all up in my head. Not all, but most of it's up in my head. Right. That's like, why people go cadence so freaking fast. A lot of times too, probably. Yeah, I don't know, it's but like it's slow like, down because that's one of the most common things we tell people. Fire right? it up. Like slow down the cadence down just a little bit. Yeah, I, it's uh, that's 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 a real thing, man. So I think you know, as men, we want to have that. We should have that. Uh, that that sense of uh, okay, I'm responsible for something now. I've got to take care of it. I gotta I gotta provide the security for it. I gotta make sure it grows. And um, you know, they tapped into that with you. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, yeah, I was, I was blessed to have men that see that. Yeah, yeah. I wish you had more. I wish we had more time to del- dive into some other stuff uh, in your story. But um, but we're running out of time. Dial-up's got to get to work. It's all right. Keep going for a little bit longer. You sure? Yeah. Is there something else you want to dig into? Okay. Well, I want to talk to you about your faith. So you know, you mentioned you're okay. a Christian. When did you uh, When did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? So I've always been seeking. Um, I thought I was a Christian my whole life. I uh, didn't know anything. I uh, wasn't really raised in the church. Uh, a lot of church wounds in my family. Um, and so we just weren't. I was baptized as a child because my dad said, you have to be baptized, but it wasn't a believer's baptism. So, I mean, it counts, but it doesn't count kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so Lou, actually, he, he's in my story a lot, by the way. For a cousin by marriage, he's sure shown a lot of love for me. Um, but he asked me to go to church with him Oh, goodness. This was a while ago, uh, over 10 years now. And he, uh, he asked me to go to his church. And we were, so my wife and I were, go figure, you know, fighting, running late to the church we were going to <laughs> on Easter one year and literally driving past his church. And she said, just take a right and get into this parking lot and we'll go to this service. All right, because we were going to be like a half hour late to our service. So mm-hmm. we just pulled in, and what we didn't know is the crossing at the time was always full. And on Easter, they you almost had to make reservations to get in the building. But um, we walked in. Somebody said, are you new? I'm like, yep. And they showed us to two seats that were reserved just for new people. We sat down. We had a great, amazing service. Felt like they spoke to us. My wife and I walked out of there. I said, I guess we're coming here now. And then that started the process. I, I then went in and, and funny stories. I was sitting at work. I used to work in headquarters building of a major corporation. And uh, I was sitting there low cubes, you know, uh, so you could talk at your partner if you wanted to. And I'm doing some, some, um, some nug work and I had my headphones in and, plugged into the computer and I was just playing some sermons from the pastor from prior and all of a sudden one hit me and I was just, I burst into tears to the point where ugly snot tears. Um, I had people looking at me like, are you okay? What happened to your family? <laughs> you know? And so I, 
I don't do anything halfway. I always embarrass myself uh, when I do anything major like that, like break both my arms in public, you know, do stuff like that. But anyway, uh, I, was, I was fine, obviously. So I had to turn it off, but I was like, okay, there's something real here. And they had a class called Exploration. And it was just big, big, hairy questions, basically. So that's where I met Milwaukee's best. He wasn't that then. He was Ken Boland amazing guy third f all the way and he walked me through that i read john uh, one of the assignments one week it was a six-week class was to read a gospel mm-hmm. and and you know milwaukee's best he suggested i read john like, okay because i didn't know anything right i didn't know i hadn't even read the gospel you can't really be a christian if you don't understand the the, the reason for it and so mascotting a hundred percent. So anyway, I go in, I, I start, I read John and literally I'm that guy that does his homework right before class. Um, at least I used to be. So I'm reading the end of John, like walking in to the next week's class and John 1633, uh, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world changed my understanding of everything like literally god told me i didn't make the world easy i made you strong yeah and and then when you're not strong enough you got me and that rang true and it still rings true and it rings more true today than it rang true 10 years ago when that came into my life and then so that was probably March time frame, and this church does uh, annual baptisms, so they get like 400 people to get baptized every year, and they take you through a long process. And so I got baptized that June, Father's wow. Day of 2020 or 2014. I got baptized. Uh, my mom right in front of me, so healing church wounds there, uh, and my my wife right behind me. So wow. we got baptized one, two, three. Nice. My kids. Uh, Chose get baptized the next two years successively. Um, so, yeah, my whole my whole thought process on life changed then, and F three kind of came in and and made it complete uh, in the fact that you know we don't get to give up all our other responsibilities just because we have grace. Yeah, man. Great testimony. So, yeah. That that's a that's a feeling. Uh, that's why I do what I do and when it gets hard, I just lean on that. It's like, mm-hmm. Jesus isn't, he's not a helicopter parent. He's not a lawnmower parent. He's not <laughs> right. taking all the obstacles out of your way. In fact, he's expecting you to lean on him to overcome them. Yep. Yeah. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, again, uh, Jesus is, uh, is the answer. Um, well, to every question, but, uh, but, the, the impact that uh, you can have on the world when you're when you're focused on him, right? I mean, we, we teach you're 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 a trainer, man. You teach Q source, right? We teach guys in Q source that we want them to be not just effective leaders but virtuous leaders. And the best type of virtuous leader and effective leader is going to be a servant leader, right? We want to go from survivor to servant in the sir sir continuum in the Q source. Um, and who Correct. I mean that and that's what Jesus taught, right? Servant leadership. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, man. Someone was paying attention to grow school. 
Yeah. I, I would love. <laughs> I know you've read the book before. I would love to be a trainer, but I, I couldn't pass the physical qualifications in yeah. the in the uh, in the thing. But uh, I, I would love to teach grow school. Um, I fact, know a guy. You know a guy? <laughs> you get an exception for a guy with a, a surgically repaired back that does not have to do all the, uh, you know. Well, you know what we might be able to do is uh, have you go through some of the, the leadership education and then take it back to your region and, and be the Q source guru for that area of the country well you know, you that, know that's that's something that you guys inspired me down at the gte to do i'm, I'm looking for a role because uh unless dial up he's our nantan unless he has a plan for me but i i uh, you know i was i'm a nantan emeritus and i don't have a specific right. role and i'm but that's that's uh something that's that's a kind of a passion of mine for a long time is leadership and trying to teach leadership and that kind of thing like and you guys teaching it in grow school i'm like i'd love to do this it'd be cool we'll talk We'll talk. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's continue this conversation because QSource is the juice, man. It's, it's yeah. what we're trying to do is build leaders in yeah. the world, right? They yeah. used to be natural. Right. Uh, at least in America, it used to be natural. It's not anymore. And yeah. so we have to re-inject that. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that, like, what really helped lead to the uh, explosion and expansion in St. Louis was a greater focus on Q source, right? Was that, I think you mentioned that when you were sharing mm-hmm. the growth yes. Yeah. And that, that's a lot of people ask how St. Louis has grown so much and COVID obviously helped parking lot cafeterias fellowship, but then just the injection of Q source and we did it. A lot of people are like, well, I can't stay or I can't, you know, carve out an extra time during the week. So we just, did it around beatdowns. Yep. Uh, and it's, it modified, right? Some regions do it after the beatdown. Some regions do it before the beatdown. Some do it rucking. Some do it in a circle with coffee after a beatdown. Start the beatdown early or do a 30 for 30 style mm-hmm. um, and do that week's Q source that way. Um, it's whatever works for the site and the region get that knowledge out there and get as many men as you can because our Nantan for expedition uh, accidentally came for QSource like his second time. And he's a trained pastor. And he says, this is what the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and he's now a Nantan. So it changed his life. Yep. Yeah. And I, and uh, well, I have an elders elders meeting tonight at the church. I'm trying 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 to get nudge us into into uh, adapting some of the Q source stuff to develop leaders. Okay. Let's see. All right, man. I got uh, you got any, any more questions for? Him? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, I got two two final questions for you, brother. Grand we asked this of all our guests, or almost all our guests. I'm ready. <laughs> all right. Um, oh, he's ready. Does he's he ready. Know, does he know the questions? Has he studied? I listened to a lot of the podcasts on my 75 hard walk. Ah, okay. All right. So he is ready. Okay. He's right. ready. So, you know, the first question, if you were to pick somebody, uh, who you would say is your inspiration, your hero or whatever, who would that be? Um, great question. Um, my grandfather. Um, so I didn't have a lot of male influence as good male influence. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, again, uh, dramatic alcoholic, unrepentant alcoholic. And, um, because of that, I would spend two to three weeks 
in the summer, what was supposed to be my dad's time, I would spend it with my grandpa. And my grandpa, um, who's not blood related to me at all, by the way, he he loved me and just showed me what a dad should do. He played with me, threw me around in the pool, you know, you know, corrected me when I was wrong, played, helped me play jokes on my grandma, <laughs> did all those things in a very condensed period of time. I look forward to that every year when I was young. But when I, when we moved to Arizona, moved closer to him, then he assumed a much larger role in my life. And he, uh, he would, he owned a business and he was a hardworking man. He would show me what hard work meant, right? And he would, you know, pay me fairly for helping him out at the, at the store that he, he owned. And, um, and when he was on an, on an install call for carpet, he would have me with him and I would carry stuff and he would, he would show me his work ethic. And so without knowing it, it changed me. And I didn't realize how important he was in my life until I moved here to Missouri and I was thousands of miles away from him. And I never missed my father, but I always missed my grandpa. All right. uh, he was my grandma's third husband. So I mean, divorce goes way back, but he had been through so much trauma that he didn't want, he saw what was happening to me and wanted to take, take the change. So fast forward, I was going to, I was getting trained up for Afghanistan 2010 and he passed away and I was unable to go to the funeral. So I had to harbor all that pain through a lot of other pain um, in Afghanistan. And then when I was able to go see him, you know, it was just a niche in the wall. So anyway, I lost him without getting to say goodbye. And um, it's always something he just showed me how to be a man and, with love and he didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. Great answer, man. Yeah. That's cool. Um, it's really neat when you can name, you know, hopefully your dad, but a lot of guys can't, but your grandfather, we have one, one guy to say his grandmother, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Last question. This is your chance to speak to the men of America. What's your message for the men of America? No matter where you are, no matter what shape you're in, no matter what you've done in your past, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, that message uh, was said to me and I couldn't hear it uh, for years. That the love of another man in that way in which I'm going to hold you responsible and I'm going to hold you to the things you say you're going to do, that type of fatherly brotherly love is irreplaceable and uh if if that's all they hear and that's all they know i'm i'm the guy that's going to give it but it doesn't come at a cost the love is free but you need to step up and turn around and give it to somebody else so i love you and there's nothing you can do about it there you go i love you and there's nothing you can do about it that's right yeah, it's all about love right when when we're like you dial up your mention how what you one of the things you learned is we could be candid uh, with other guys and stuff like that, but it's all because of love, right? right? Yeah. Uh, we could push other guys. We could, uh, we leave no man where we found him, but we leave no man behind. Well, we do that because of love. Right. Uh, we want to become better leaders. We want to show up in the gloom. We want to go through GTEs. We want to do all this crazy stuff. When we do MABA, which we didn't get to talk about, we talked about it off the air, but uh, make America burp again. We want to do all this stuff, but we do it <laughs> out of love because we want to become better. We want to become better husbands, better fathers, better members of our community, better 
citizens in our country. Yep. Maba in January. Maba in January. <laughs> all because of love. All because of love. Just remember when you're doing all those burpees. That's just right. Coming at you Power in Clean loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. So uh, we, you know, we got another example of a guy here who, you know, he's he had to overcome adversity, had to overcome yep. some stuff, uh, found his way through because some ups and downs, um, and uh, through knowing the Lord and meeting a good woman. And joining F three, awesome he's story. Now a, awesome uh, story of how you ended up at your church and like yeah. how everything unfolded. Like yeah, just a lot, a lot of good stuff in here. All right now he's a leader, motivator, and inspirational guy to other men. Yep. I think we just spoke to another high impact man. Absolutely did. Yeah. All right. Hey brother, anything else you want to add uh, before we sign off? No, I just wanted to thank you guys. You're doing a great service. Uh, Telling this is the kind of podcast I like to listen to. I like to listen to the stories of other men because it's real and it's yeah. And you know, mot- it, you never know where you're going to catch a man, and it's so motivational to hear where people have come from. And I hope one guy hears this and says, "Hey, man, I can do it." Yep. Yeah, and that's one thing we didn't do. And I, it, it, you know what, I didn't do it in the beginning. I'll do it now on the air. Um, we we often pray before we go on the air with our guest, and I I didn't do it because we were between. Uh, recordings and i'm gonna do it now is it okay if i pray with you brother i love it yeah all right listen all you men out there who listen to this podcast we all love you and there's nothing you could do about it but we only love you because jesus first loved us so father uh, we come before you lord and, and lift this up lift this this episode up to you lord and we pray that you would do it to um and however you see fit. We pray the guys that need to hear it will hear it, will be inspired by it, encouraged by it, motivated by it, Lord, and draw nearer to you. Uh, we do it all for your glory, uh, Father, so uh, we put it all in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. Yeah, stay in touch. Let me know if there's uh, anything else, uh, uh, anything we could do for you, uh, even for the MABA guys out there. Maybe we got to get, uh, is it Ralph, right? Right. Right. Ralph, you met him. Um, You met him. He was uh, recording. um, So writing articles. He just published one. He's going to publish three more about the England stuff. So he's kind of working through the rest. The one announcement I have is GTE Jeffco 10424. Oh, there you go. Mark it in your calendar. It's going to be the best one yet. Next October. Next October, yes. They don't, we, we, we don't officially have the GTE schedule out yet for 2024, do we? We, we have one of them now. Yeah. <laughs> now we know one. Yeah, That's right. I, yeah, I didn't see it on the, on the website yet. So there you go. All, All right, right. Jeffco. I've been trying to round up some troops, so that's that'll be one of our uh, yeah. possibilities. All right, brother. All right. All right. Thanks for letting us know. Thanks for sharing your morning with You're us, brother. Welcome. God Thank bless you. you. God bless you, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week. And you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.